Hi everyone and welcome to Aston's Economics, Finance and Entrepreneurship Department's very own Learning and Teaching podcast. I'm Krishma Patel, a teaching fellow in economics and in this podcast I invite various academics from the department to share some of the interesting and exciting things that they are doing in learning and teaching. So today we have with us Dr. Robert Riegler, a senior teaching fellow within the Department of Economics, Finance and Entrepreneurship here at Aston. Welcome, Robert. Uh, Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay. First of all, thank you very much for inviting me for the podcast, Karishma. I think it's a great idea. So about myself, I've been now um, a teaching fellow and uh, now a senior teaching fellow at Aston University since, uh, what was it, five years ago, I think it has been a while now. And before I have been to several other uh, universities as well. And yeah, what is my focus of teaching? I'm uh, teaching microeconomics and also econometrics at the undergraduate level and also at the postgraduate level. I'm currently as the program director for business economics and uh, finance MSc, and I'm going to be the program director for the MSc economics uh, next year. And yeah, what else is there to say? My research uh, interests are in the areas of uh, international trade and the organizational structure of firms. And I also have a passion for undertaking research in the area of pedagogy. And one of those things are what we uh, analyzed recently, I want to present today. Thank you, Robert. So yes, uh, today Robert is going to be sharing with us the findings of a study that he co-authored, which uses a large survey that was undertaken at a UK business school in order to gain insight into student feedback experiences um, and expectations pre and post university entry. And I found it particularly interesting uh, to read when you sent it over to me, especially because uh, like many academics, um, I think I'm often quite surprised about how demanding students can be in terms of their um, in terms of what they want for feedback Um, and I think that the findings from this paper are are quite enlightening in terms of explaining why that might be the case right so uh, Robert can I start by asking you what your kind of motivation was behind the study is a little bit also what you just said you know feedback is always something very very important and I think feedback usually is something uh, you know you 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 know there's a little bit of a, a conflict between lecturers and students. Lecturers think we often give a lot of uh, feedback. Students say they want to have more feedback. And there seems to be a little bit of a miscommunication between what we think is feedback and what students think is feedback. And uh, yeah, when I started my career many, many years ago, and one thing I realized is that in the economics department, that um, even though the teaching overall score was very high, there was one area where the surveys always showed that students were relatively dissatisfied, and this was always the part of feedback. And it's not just when we had motive evaluation, it's also then expressed in the National Student Survey. The studies were finally used the university experience, and we could see that yeah, usually the satisfaction score is usually quite high overall with the programs. But if you look at feedback, there's always a, yeah, quite a gap. It's lacking behind the other uh yeah the other measures of the national student survey and yeah for example when we wrote the study uh i think the overall satisfaction score of all courses was 82 percent but when we look at feedback it was around 10 percent lower and it's not just at the first university where i worked for when i moved on to a different university all the university appear to have the same problem that feedback is kind of yeah uh, lagging behind the other measures now why is it a problem? Because we thought feedback, 
basically most of the is yeah, giving students feedback so they can improve. Ideally, we want that students are independent learners after three, four years of degree. They should be able to go out in the big world and act on feedback and to improve the way they act. But it seems that is an issue. And this is, of course, then a very, very big problem because acting on feedback is such an important skill. It's also improving employability and so on. So this is something where we have to look into it a bit more. There are quite a lot of articles out there who look at, you know, what you can do to improve the feedback, but there was not a lot about explaining why is there such a big difference? Why are students often not happy with the feedback they receive? I personally, honestly, when, when I uh, look through the, uh, the last couple of years, my impression is actually that we increase the amount of feedback we provide. I don't know what you think, Karishma, but you know, there are so many different things now we use, I don't know, uh, because online marking, you can provide more feedback than you could ever do on a, on a uh, sheet of paper in the good old days with the uh, exam scripts. Or also the number of office hours, you know, I think now a lot of universities are three or four hours of office hours where students can get feedback from the lecturers, verbal face-to-face -face feedback, but it still seems it doesn't have a big impact on, on the NSS score. It still seems that uh, yeah, feedback is lagging behind. And this is where we wanted to yeah, focus a bit more. What is the reason for it? And the idea what we wanted to look at is we wanted to check out what are students' experiences from school? What, how did things work there? And are the experiences then directly projected at the university level? So let's say, oh, I use this to do in school. I get this amount of feedback in school. I expect exactly the same amount of feedback at university. And yeah, I, I, basically this was the idea to see whether there's a link or not. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, I, I completely agree. I think from our perspective, I feel like we we are doing quite a lot now, as you said, for feedback. And there's so many different ways that we're able to give that because of, you know, the, the different technology that we have now as well. Um, so I think it's very useful to be able to kind of solve this mystery um, of, of why uh, the students don't necessarily um, agree uh, with with our thinking behind feedback. So, um, I guess you could kind of outline a little bit about your methodology quite quite okay. briefly, perhaps, uh, just to give us an idea of, of what you did. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so uh, we did this together with a team of my former colleagues, Keith and Mike. So if you watch it, Keith and Mike, hello. And uh, yeah, so, so the idea was the following. We wanted to ask students right at the beginning of the academic journey what the expectations are. So basically when they had the induction week, the first course induction session, we asked the students to fill in a questionnaire. And uh, it's not just economics, there's with economics, finance and accounting students. We got quite a big sample of more than 400 students. So we were quite happy about this. So we had a response rate about uh, 60%. And yeah, and then we asked them right in the beginning, before we even say anything about, you know, the, the course, about assessment and feedback, we just asked them, please fill in the survey and let us know about your school experiences and the university expectations. And then based on this, we wanted to establish the link between experiences and expectations and dig a bit further. What do they expect from, you know, uh, what kind of feedback they receive? What do they think is the most useful type of feedback? And so this was actually the base category. They also did some some t tests and some correlation analysis just to make sure that we have also some uh, <laughs> uh, yeah some some statistical evidence of uh, of uh, relationship between expectations and experiences. And yeah, so this was actually the uh, idea behind it. And the nice thing is uh, well is that we had quite a, a, a 
there were sample because, for example, the, uh, in economics, there were mainly domestic students, but in finance, there were also a lot of overseas students. So we, we could actually yeah, get quite a, a nice, uh, diverse audience in our survey. Great, that sounds really good. And I'm sure our listeners are, are very excited now to actually hear about some <laughs> of the interesting findings that uh, come out of, of your paper. And I think um, one of the things that really stood out to me was about the kind of timeliness of feedback and the student mm. responses regarding the timeliness. So I wonder mm. if you could start by maybe expanding on that. Of course, yes. Uh, so I think this is one of our yeah, our striking results what we have because this we didn't really expect this this uh, uh, difference between expectations and experiences. So we asked uh, our students what is the turnaround time on uh, of feedback on written piece of a coursework. Okay, so uh, yeah, it's it's you would assume summative assessment. Students submit the the written coursework. When do they receive the mark and the feedback back from the uh, teachers? Anything was over seventy percent. Uh, was it even seventy five percent or so of the students said they usually get feedback back within a week, within seven days. But then we looked similarly at uh, the expectations. They want to know what do you expect? You know, uh, is the turnaround time of feedback at universities? And even more students, even if it was around 80% of students, expected the same. They expected that uh, the feedback will be turned around within seven working days or even seven days. I don't even think we stated working days. And you can see that's unfortunately completely, yeah, how can I say it? It's very unrealistic because, you know, when you teach big classes with often two of 300, 400 students, and if you only have one uh, lecturer or uh, even, let's say, one or two teaching assistants, you can see this kind of idea that you get feedback within seven days. It's just not very, very realistic. It's, I think, usually at the undergraduate, uh, I think in the first and second year, if students get it back if within around three weeks, I think that's something, realistic expectation. Even in the final year, we would expect at least two weeks before they get a feedback return on summative assessment. I think that's already one of the issues that, uh, yeah, there are different ways. I talk about me a little bit later about, you know, how can we uh, uh, provide immediate feedback, but feedback on coursework and uh, exams takes much, much longer than two weeks. And of course, there's a problem. We ask the students as well, then, you know, what do you think about receiving uh, feedback uh, after two weeks? You know, what do you think it's useful? And the majority said, they don't think there's a lot of benefit if you have to wait more than two weeks for getting feedback. And I think this is kind of uh, understandable. Imagine you have a very busy uh, semester. You you uh, have one exam, one coursework after another. Maybe if you're within seven days, you still remember what, what you've done. But if you wait for two, three weeks before you get it back and then you realize, you know what, actually I have an econometrics course, like I can't think of microeconomics anymore. I have to focus on econometrics instead. And I think therefore it's, yeah, it's no wonder that they often experience it as having little uh, benefit. Yeah, I think it, as you said, it's pretty hard for us because it's, there's a lot of trade-offs to be made, right? So mm. we're thinking about, okay, you know, if we somehow manage to give them feedback mm. within seven days, what would the quality of that feedback be like? Mm. Probably not up to mm. uh, up to the standards that they expect. Um, and then at the same time, so we're thinking, okay, we'll take a bit longer, we'll mm. give 
good quality feedback but then as you said that the students potentially don't find this useful because it's too late so it is we, we, it is quite a difficult uh position to be in i suppose to try to get that balance right Exactly. I think this is one of the keys just because also students like to have uh, detailed feedback. There was a study which even showed that students are willing to trade off some, you know, waiting time for getting more detailed feedback. So that's, that's yeah, it could be the case. But again, it's, you know, how much more, it's really the, the, the trade off between timing and, and detailed feedback. And yeah, so I would agree with you. This is something which is not an easy task to achieve. And uh, we also asked students, you know, about when they went in school, how important was feedback? Did they get enough feedback? And we also found that the majority of students actually highlighted that they, uh, they think they would have done better at school if they had received more feedback. And on the one hand, it's good that they want to have more feedback. That seems they are engaged. But on the other hand, it's, it's again, if they already thought in school they want to have more feedback, they could have done better. In at university, it's maybe even more difficult to receive more feedback because of the class sizes. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, I think we've touched on a, a lot of issues there, and um, definitely towards the end of our discussion, uh, we will look to you for some suggestions on uh, what what we might actually be able to do as module leaders or tutors to to try to overcome this problem. One of the other things that stood out to me about your study was on um, feedback in regards to drafts. Mm. So I wonder if you could expand on on that as well and, and share some of the findings from that. I think a lot of students uh, received comments on drafts at its school. So it seems that they have a draft option to submit coursework, they get feedback on the draft, and then based on the draft, they can submit a, a related work and then they, uh, they, they know how to improve. And to be honest, I think drafts are actually a very good idea. Why is it a good idea? Because when we want to give them feedback, we wanted what we sometimes call feed forward. They should be able to use the knowledge and feed it then back into a huge coursework. And I think this is one of the problems sometimes what we face. We have end of the year exams, then they uh, submit the, the, the exam paper or the coursework. And then once they get it back, they're ready in a new semester. They have maybe different modules. And then they often don't see the link anymore, you know, between what I've done just now in econometrics and now how does it help me in microeconomics? And I think this is one of these just what we sometimes have. So I think draft would be a nice idea that we provide, you know, draft submissions for students. Then we comment on them and then they, they could act on it. But as you already can feel, there's a trade-off again. It's time. If you have large classes, then there will be, of course, an issue that you no, don't have the time to provide individual feedback on drafts. That, that's a tricky one, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I may yeah. think about it, so some some solutions what you can do to maybe not giving individual feedback that there may be an opportunity to provide more generic feedback for all the students. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think a lot of us must have seen this. I even see it with my final years, to be fair, that they they very much want me to have a look at drafts of their essays. But it's a class of about 200 students. So it's just it's just not feasible. It's clearly something which um, is, is very important to the students, not necessarily just when they first arrive in, in their first year, but even even through to final year, which I think is um, quite interesting. 
No, because I think that's one of the things as well that a lot of students, especially final year students, I think they're often under pressure. They have to perform well because, you know, waiting with the overall degree classification. So the, the final year is really, really important. And also my impression is with final year students that they really want to perform well. They want to have feedback, but they sometimes also scared to be creative on their own. I think sometimes they would like to have that, like a recipe. This is what you have to do exactly. Then you get a first. And I think that's sometimes the danger with draft uh, as well. If you give them some too detailed feedback on drafts, that could be the danger that they just stick exactly what you said and you then kill maybe all the creativity. Again, something we have sometimes to keep in mind if we give too detailed feedback uh, on drafts. So yeah, it may be helpful for students. They may experience as positive, but again, we have to be careful that we, yeah, uh, we do not create that every student only submits the same type of answer uh, at the coursework or assessment yeah that's actually that's that's such a good point especially in final year we're trying over the years to develop these kind of independent learners mm -hmm. right so um you you're very right about that that we don't want to give them so much too much guidance or too much feedback that actually it ends up all actually coming from you in in the end mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a, a really a really good point. Was there anything else from your uh, study which particularly stood out to you? But the one thing what is uh, what I thought was was interesting that you know we, we we focused on feedback, but you want to have kind of a comparison because with feedback, what we've seen in feedback students, they have their uh, experience in school. And they do not adjust them correctly. So a lot of the expectations what they have are really directly based on the school experiences, which causes conflict. And we were thinking also, if it, can you compare it to other parts? Because you know, it's uh, do they have a, a completely wrong impression about university life? And interestingly, we do not find this in other areas. For example, we want to talk to students about you know, how many hours do you have in class? How many hours do you have to learn out of class? So just to get a, a feeling. Are students able to identify what university life is like? And interestingly, when we ask them about the hours of uh, time spent in class, most of the students adjusted the expectation correctly. So when we asked them, let's say more than uh, uh, more, the vast majority of students uh, had more than 20 hours uh, a week in school. But when we asked them about the expectation at university, we could see that they reduced it significantly. I think on average, they expected to have seven hours less in uh, in the class at the university in comparison to what they experienced in school. And we also asked them about how much do you have to learn outside independently? Again, we feel the there's a right adjustment. You know, it, we can see that in school it was lower, but at university, they expected there is um, yeah, there's going to be more out of class independent learning. So it seems that in certain areas, there is an adjustment happening. In certain areas, they have the right expectations. I'm pretty sure when you ask them about, you know, class sizes, they would expect that university class sizes are bigger. And that's the interesting thing. We do not find the same adjustment for feedback. We only find it for general environment. And we had a yeah, we had a talk with my, my co-authors and myself about it. And we were thinking, is it maybe we talk at open days more about those kind of university life that we do not mention things like, you know, what is the feedback what you get that we say, oh, look, you have uh, less in class, you have more flexibility, you're going to uh, learn to be an independent learner. We highlight these kind of things, but maybe do not highlight enough at the beginning of the academic journey about uh, yeah, the feedback, uh, what they're going to receive.
Yeah, that's a really interesting point because I was thinking why why could that be the case that they've adjusted their expectations in one area and not the other? And yeah, it's interesting what you say about um, open days because I, I just did one. And um, <laughs> yeah, it, we do mention things like class sizes and generally, um, for example, in the, in the open day that we just did, we did get questions from the parents at least on on what the class sizes would be, uh, the number of hours that they'd spend in class, the number of hours that they should spend outside class. Mm. But as you as you rightly said, feedback is not really something which w was was brought up. So that that's very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think now what would be great is we've kind of identified all of these uh, these issues and I think people will be really interested to know what can we actually do what can we do as module leaders as tutors to try to um, to try to minimize minimize this problem and I, I don't know whether meet student expectations is, is the right word but maybe meet in the middle uh, I, I, I wanted to say exactly the same thing what you just said <laughs> because this is started by Nash and Winston I think Nash is a colleague also at Aston University and uh, what TA actually said is that, that there's two different type of feedback uh, yeah, uh, feedback processes. On the one hand, what a lot of students may be used to from school is what is sometimes called this one stream way of feedback. So basically that the lecturer or the teacher is like the guru. You just comment on the feedback and the uh, students are passive recipient of feedback. And that's the end of the story. And uh, on the other hand, what is maybe more what we are used to at university is what we call like it's a uh, a two-way relationship uh, of uh, interaction between students and uh, and lectures. I can tell you in a second what is exactly called. It's the shared responsibility model. That's it's, that's the idea. So basically, it should not be only uh, the weight should not be only on the lecture to provide feedback. There's also the same importance that the students also act on the feedback. And why this is so important? In the same study, both of them uh, did a survey, as a Winston and Nash, they did a survey to ask about students and lecturers' feedback experiences, how you can uh, make it better, the feedback. And what they actually found is that if you ask the students, the vast majority of the students made comments about what lecturers can do better so that the feedback improves. But if you ask the lecturers, guess what? Guess what they said? Whose fault is it? That feedback is not well received. They, they mainly blame the students. Oh, the students only look at the mark. They don't read the feedback and so on. And therefore, I think what you just said is actually something quite true. We have to meet in the middle. I don't think it's just that students, you know, uh, uh, only look at the mark. They don't care about the rest. But it's also not the case that we're not providing as lecturers enough feedback. And I think this idea of the shared responsibility is actually a very good one because here's the idea that you put some of the burden also on students, you provide the feedback, but you expect students to act on the feedback so that students really uh, yeah, engage with it. Okay, so that they maybe you give them some ideas, but you say, oh, but if you want to have more, you have to come to my office hours so that students come then with it and ask them questions about this. So you encourage them to act on it, not just receiving it, reading it, and that's the end of the story. And I think this is then uh, maybe one way we could think about how we could improve this. And it's, I mentioned it before, I think often students do not have the opportunity to see the link between one module with another module. Okay, so if you have, as I said, if let's say if microeconomics in the first semester, macroeconomics in the second, they may sometimes think, you know what, I get the feedback from micro, but yeah, that's it. Micro is over, finding a micro, I have no micro anymore. And then, you know, I don't need the feedback anymore. I think one thing, 
let's say the, the big conclusion I would say is I do not think it's always only the um, it shouldn't be only on the shoulders of the module leader. I think it should be like on the whole program team. I think we have to sometimes work together that maybe we make some alignments with how we assess that, you know, if you have this first year module, then you know, oh, this way of assessment and the way of we mark is similar to what we're going to have then in the second year as well. As an example, uh, I teach final year microeconomics and uh, what I'm going to use for my assessment is something like the knowledge application communication framework. So students have a 24-hour takeaway exam, they have to write three essay answers and they're going to be marked against this uh, knowledge application communication marking criteria. And uh, yeah, my colleague who teaches macroeconomics in the second semester uses exactly the same framework. So even though micro macro are cats and dogs, you know, they're they are different, but we still want to use a similar framework because there are a lot of things that, that are common. You know, it's like you have the evidence knowledge, you have to be able to apply the theory and you have to be able to communicate well. And so basically what they learn in my microeconomics module, they can then really apply also for macroeconomics. And we did this already now for two years. And we usually haven't had this, but I have students coming after the exam, coming to me and asking for feedback so that they can improve, you know, or for macroeconomics. So you can see there's this, this kind of engagement that students started to, yeah, uh, act on the feedback, want to have more feedback because they can see there's a direct effect on uh, on this final semester at university. Okay, so I think this is something at the program level. And yeah, yeah, I think those are all really interesting ideas. And, and so, for example, the first one you said was about kind of giving the students the opportunity to have a conversation with you. So it's not just a case of you writing feedback on their work and then, well, that's it. That's the end of the, the communication. Okay. And um, it, it was a suggestion which I was given to have um, kind of office hours after giving feedback to students so that we could have a, a conversation and I actually mentioned it to, to at least one of my students when they asked me what kind of feedback would I get for my essay that is due in and when I said um, that I'm going to have some office hours or drop-in sessions and we can discuss the feedback they were so happy so happy to hear that because um, linking in with what you what you said uh, later on in your discussion was that actually they thought it would be useful for their other modules. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really interesting because I think sometimes we tend to think about feed forward in terms of one assessment within our own mm -hmm. module, feed forwarding into mm -hmm. another assessment within our own module. Um, but I think it's really interesting uh, and useful to think of it in terms of feed forward to other modules as well and how those kind of essential skills like you said like communication and so on um, can can actually be really useful across modules so that's uh, that that's really useful um, what about what kind of suggestions might you have in terms of the the timeliness of feedback because obviously we discussed that quite a bit today what suggestions would you have for that I think one thing is uh, um, yeah when I started my career, there was one colleague, John Guest, he is uh, now also at S University, and he had a, a brilliant idea how to solve this trade-off between timeliness and, uh, and detail of feedback. So what he often did was once you have submitted, uh, once students have submitted their uh, assessment, he immediately looked at five to ten scripts 
and saw are there any trends are there any common mistakes and yes you will also see once you have a lot of experience you already realize you know you already know it before what students will get wrong okay so by looking at a small sample and based on your experiences he immediately uh created like a generic feedback sheet for the and, and, and comments for the whole class. So basically next day, when everything is still fresh on the mind, he went to the class and said, look, this is what you have to do for a good answer. And this is what most of the students will have done wrong. And even though it's query general, it's not individualized because usually students prefer individualized uh, feedback. They still appreciated it because everything is still fresh on their mind. They still remember what I've done uh, yesterday. Okay, and and I think this is something very very helpful. That doesn't mean you don't give any feedback afterwards. They still get the individualized feedback in two three weeks time. But just giving them immediate in the next opportunity some generic feedback, making links. You know what went wrong and what they would have to provide for getting a first or a, a high first. I think this had really had a, a positive impact. And I think this is maybe a way around. And it's also with work-wise, the workload is even not as high than, than, than yeah, uh, maybe marking your 200 essays in a week's time and providing detailed feedback. So, yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John also passed this uh, wisdom to me, and I, I, I love the idea. I think um, it, it makes so much sense and is definitely useful to the students for getting that instant feedback and it just means that you potentially then have more time don't you so that when you are marking the individual students work and providing feedback for them you don't necessarily have to put those generic comments maybe about referencing or those general things that come up across across uh, across the board instead you can really focus your time on giving those very individualized bits of feedback on their actual work Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think people will find that really useful. Thank you. Any other uh, kind of suggestions that come out of what you found? One thing I also want to highlight, because it also makes a link to what I said pre uh, just before, maybe we should also be careful what we're going to tell students in the uh, in the induction week, because it seems it's kind of strange because we think we provide a lot of feedback, but NSS is something done at the end of the student's journey, of the you know, at the end of their degree. And it seems that, you know, we don't really improve their perception of feedback. And that's actually very, very interesting to think about it. Why it doesn't improve? We do so many things. Shouldn't they get used to the way of feedback they receive? And again, they were a discussion what we had amongst us. And um, yeah, it could be the case that because you have some expectation or experiences from school, you have a definition what you think is good feedback. And then maybe once you come to university and the expectation is not met because it's not individualized, it's not verbal, it's not, you know, a timely and so on, that maybe they just think, oh my God, I just get bad feedback. And then maybe because they do not change the adjustment, what they perceive as good feedback, it maybe feeds through all the different years. And then they come to the final year and then they think, like, I never received the same feedback what I had in, in school. Actually, I don't think they are very good at providing feedback. And maybe... I'm sure a lot of people have already tried it, but I think it's still worth uh, uh, to do this, is in the induction week or at the beginning, not just only talking about the you know, student life, but maybe also making reference about what kind of feedback they're going to get, setting expectations, right, about summative assessment feedback. So if you have summative assessment, it will take often uh, two, three weeks before you get it. But on the other hand, we should maybe also highlight that it's not the only way to get feedback you know it's there's so many other different outlets 
going to seminars, getting feedback, trying to, to you know, answer a question and getting the immediate feedback, whether you did it correctly or incorrectly. You can come to the office hours. You can uh, maybe just having formal chats after the lecture. You know how many students come after the lecture and ask, oh, can you explain this to me? I didn't understand why we shift the curve to the right. And then, you know, this is kind of thing. This is all feedback. This is even though it's not on a summative assessment. And I think we kind of should maybe highlight that it's, it's an important thing. It's something of relevance to, to get this little, even though if it's not on a, a summative assessment, it's still very, very important to uh, improve their, yeah, the, uh, the performance. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I think that's uh, a really good point. It's about managing expectations. If we don't at the start actually tell students what to expect, how are they going to know? And um, also kind of, we can't expect students, I guess, to already have this idea of the importance of feedback from other other kind of methods. So, for example, from seminars, as you said, from other activities, we can't expect them to by themselves realize how important that is. We should we should, as you said, highlight it to them, tell them, OK, in the seminars, you know, we've designed these activities so that it will help to support your assessment so that it gives you feedback opportunities. And I think if we really make that clear to them, um, that that can really help. Also, you know, this idea of continuous assessment, I know, uh, including yourself, a lot of us are, are doing continuous assessment um, and and potentially highlighting this to the students. That is one thing we did do in the open day. We mentioned continuous assessment. So we talked about uh, the MyLab quizzes mm -hmm. and we explained why they're so important and why students actually like them, because it means they can get this kind of instant form of feedback. Mm -hmm. And from our perspective, um, we don't have to do too much in terms of in in terms of that as well. So it's almost a win-win, right? Exactly. I think this this uh, a continuous assessment and online quizzes. That's very good. I think sometimes technology can really help. And I think students. I think it's good because it's immediate feedback. And yeah, hopefully students also appreciate this, which I think most of them do. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the big lesson from this is about managing expectations and giving students opportunities and making them aware of the opportunities is that right I, I would agree yes so giving them the opportunities and also giving them the opportunity to act on the feedback this is very very important not that it's just you know finished at the end of the semester and that's it and then yeah, and then they don't <laughs> have the opportunity anymore to to act on it and yeah Okay, this has been a really, really interesting uh, discussion. Thank you so much, Robert. I think uh, lots of our listeners are going to be um, maybe surprised with, with the findings, but also find them really useful. And I think you've provided some really useful tips on what kind of things we can now try to do going forward um, to try to kind of manage uh, these expectations. Um, so thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Chris, for inviting me.